0: This is day 153 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be going through Jeremiah chapter 16 through 20. Lord God, you are our King, you are our Master, and you don't want us to be like the world. You don't want us to be stained and defiled by the sins and the lusts of this world. Please help us, Lord, to understand how serious we need to take this. Give us contrition, Lord. Give us that sensitivity as to feel the weight of the sin in our lives. That we may glorify you and rebuke those things that try to bring us down. Please bless the reading of this word as we explore Jeremiah today. In Jesus' name, amen. The word of the Lord also came to me, saying, You shall not take a wife for yourself, nor have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord, concerning the sons and daughters born in this place, and concerning their mothers who bear them, and their fathers who beget them in this land. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be lamented or buried. They will be as dung on the surface of the ground, and come to an end by sword and famine. And their carcasses will become food for the birds of the sky, and for the beasts of the earth. For thus says the Lord, Do not enter a house of mourning, or go to lament or to console them, for I have withdrawn my peace from this people, declares the Lord. My loving kindness and compassion, both great men and small, will die in this land. They will not be buried, they will not be lamented, nor will anyone gash himself or shave his head for them. Men will not break bread in mourning for them, to comfort any one for the dead, nor give them a cup of consolation to drink for any one's father or mother. Moreover, you shall not go into a house of feasting to sit with them to eat and drink. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am going to eliminate from this place, before your eyes and in your time, the voice of rejoicing, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the groom, and the voice of the bride. Now when you tell this people all these words, they will say to you, For what reason has the Lord declared all this great calamity against us? And what is our iniquity, or what is our sin which we have committed against the Lord our God? Then you are to say to them, It is because your forefathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have followed other gods, and served them, and bowed down to them. But me they have forsaken, and have not kept my law. You too have done evil, even more than your forefathers. For behold, you are each one walking according to the stubbornness of his own evil heart, without listening to me. So I will hurl you out of this land into the land which you have not known. Neither you nor your fathers, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will grant you no favor. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, As the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north, and from all the countries where he had banished them. I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them, and afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down from every mountain and every hill and from the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. I will first doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable idols and with their abominations. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, and my refuge in the day of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. The sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus. With a diamond point it is engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. As they remember their children, so they remember their altars and their Asherim by green trees on the high hills. O mountain of mine in the countryside, I will give over your wealth and all your treasures for booty, your high places for sin throughout your borders. And you will, even of yourself, let go of your inheritance that I gave you. And I will make you serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. For you have kindled a fire in my anger which will burn forever. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert. It will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water, that extends its roots by the stream, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. As a partridge that hatches eggs which it has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune, but unjustly. In the midst of his days it will forsake him, and in the end he will be a fool. A glorious throne on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down, because they have forsaken the fountain of living water even the Lord. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. Look, they keep saying to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. But as for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd after you, nor have I longed for the woeful day. You yourself know that the utterance of my lips was in your presence. Do not be a terror to me, you are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let those who persecute me be put to shame, but as for me, let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but let me not be dismayed. Bring on them a day of disaster, and crush them with twofold destruction. Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand in the public gate through which the kings of Judah come in and go out, as well as in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say to them, Listen to the word of the Lord, kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all inhabitants of Jerusalem, who come in through these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed for yourselves, and do not carry any load on the Sabbath day, or bring anything in through the gates of Jerusalem. You shall not bring a load out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded your forefathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ears, but stiffened their necks in order not to listen or take instruction. But it will come about, if you listen attentively to me, declares the Lord, to bring no load in through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but to keep the Sabbath day holy, by doing no work on it, then there will come in through the gates of this city kings and princes sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their princes, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city will be inhabited forever. They will come in from the cities of Judah, And from the environs of Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the lowland, from the hill country, and from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings, sacrifices, grain offerings, and incense, and bringing sacrifices of thanksgiving to the house of the Lord. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy, by not carrying a load and coming in through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it will devour the palaces of Jerusalem and not be quenched. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I planned to bring on it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah, and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you, and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back, each of you, from his evil way, and reform your ways and your deeds. But they will say, It's hopeless. For we are going to follow our own plans, and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord: Ask now among the nations, Who ever heard the like of this? The Virgin of Israel has done a most appalling thing. Does the snow of Lebanon forsake the rock of the open country? Or is the cold flowing water from a foreign land ever snatched away? For my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods, and they have stumbled from their ways, from the ancient paths, to walk in by-paths, not on the highway, to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. Like an east wind I will scatter them, before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face, in the day of their calamity. Then they said, Come, and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage, nor the divine word to the prophet. Come on, and let us strike at him with our tongue, and let us give no heed to any of his words. Do give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to what my opponents are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? For they have dug a pit for me. Remember how I stood before you to speak good on their behalf, so as to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore give their children over to famine, and deliver them up to the power of the sword, and let their wives become childless and widowed. Let their men also be smitten to death, their young men struck down by the sword in battle. May an outcry be heard from their houses when you suddenly bring raiders upon them. For they have dug a pit to capture me and hidden snares from my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their deadly designs against me. Do not forgive their iniquity or blot out their sin from your sight. But may they be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Thus says the Lord, Go and buy a potter's earthenware jar, and take some of the elders of the people and some of the senior priests. Then go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entrance of the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I tell you, and say, Hear the word of the Lord. O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring a calamity upon this place, at which the ears of everyone that hears of it will tingle. Because they have forsaken me, and have made this an alien place, and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods, that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known, And because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent, and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire, as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it even enter my mind, therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place will no longer be called Topheth, or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but rather the Valley of Slaughter. I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life and I will give over their carcasses as food for the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth I will also make this city a desolation and an object of hissing everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss because of all its disasters I will make them eat the flesh of their sons, and the flesh of their daughters. And they will eat one another's flesh in the siege, and in the distress with which their enemies and those who seek their life will distress them. Then you are to break the jar in the sight of the men who accompany you, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Just so will I break this people and this city, even as one breaks a potter's vessel which cannot be again repaired. And they will bury in Topheth, because there is no other place for burial. This is how I will treat this place and its inhabitants, declares the Lord, so as to make this city like Topheth. The houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah will be defiled like the place Topheth, because of all the houses on whose rooftops they burn sacrifices To all the heavenly host, and poured out drink offerings to other gods. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, and he stood in the court of the Lord's house, and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel Behold, I am about to bring on this city and all its towns the entire calamity that I have declared against it, because they have stiffened their necks so as to not heed my words. When Pashur the priest, the son of Imur, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pashur had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. on the next day, when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks jeremiah said to him pashur is not the name the lord has called you but rather magor misabib for thus says the lord behold i am going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends and while your eyes look on they will fall by the sword of their enemies so i will give over all judah to the hand of the king of babylon and he will carry them away as exiles to Babylon, and will slay them with the sword. I will also give over all the wealth of this city, all its produce, and all its costly things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will give over to the hand of their enemies, and they will plunder them, take them away, and bring them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who live in your house will go into captivity and you will enter Babylon, and there you will die, and there you will be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have falsely prophesied. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction because, for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say, I will not remember him, or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. For I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side, denounce him, yes, let us denounce him. All my trusted friends, watching for my fall, say, perhaps he will be deceived, so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed. With an everlasting disgrace, they will not be forgotten. Yet, Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have set forth my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of evildoers. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A baby boy has been born to you, and made him very happy. And let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting, and let him hear an outcry in the morning and a shout of alarm at noon, because he did not kill me before birth, so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb ever pregnant. Why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow so that my days have been spent in shame? If you've made it this far, thank you for hanging in there with me today. I'm struggling big time. Last couple of weeks, I had a stomach virus, and now this week I'm dealing with something else, probably strep throat. And so I'm mustering all the energy... I can to push through the pain of speaking. But I will not go back on my word and miss a day of this reading that we said we were going to do. So I committed to this. I'm going to see it through to the end. But thank you for bearing with me. Just please keep me in your prayers as well, because I got to preach on Sunday. And I don't know if I'll have my voice for that. But um, if it's the way it is right now, then I'll just have to push through the pain. But Chapter 16 is where Jeremiah was given restrictions by God for certain things. For example, he was told in verse 2 that he was not allowed to marry, and he was not allowed to take part in funerals, as well as the joyous occasions that came after it, you know, like the receptions and all that. And he also was given very clear warnings of what captivity was going to be like. In the days to come. And so he was to share these things with the people around him. He was a prophet, right? He was supposed to share the word of the Lord and pronounce the judgment of God to these people. And then, as usual for God's style, in verse 15, he promises that he will restore them to the land. Now, we're not sure if this is what happened. In the 1940s, or if this is going to be a future millennial kingdom kind of thing, it's unclear, but from what I can see, it could go either way. Chapter 17 is going through the sins of Judah that are so bad and so pervasive that this is why God is doing what He's doing. He reminds us in verses 5 and 7 of what he expects, by giving two direct contrasts. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So that's one direction we can go, the ways of the world, or we can go the ways of the Lord, verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. And then he gives a description that looks kind of familiar, kind of like Psalm chapter 1. For He will be like a tree planted by the water, but extends its roots by a stream, and will not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. This is what we are supposed to be in God's word and in his presence. By being obedient to his word in the Bible, as well as our purposefully spending time with him in prayer and in his word. So, this is what God desires for us. He desires obedience. He desires a relationship. So, in this way, we can either be cursed or we can be blessed. Make your choice. There are two direct contrasts. You cannot have both. You cannot have the ways of the world and go to God. Because that's what these people were doing, if you recall last couple of days. They would go and act like everything's just fine. They would go to the house of the Lord and present their offerings and do all this stuff, but that was all superficial, because on their free time and in their hearts, they were performing evil. And so we don't want to be that. We cannot have it both ways. Jesus said it best in the book of Revelation. You need to be hot or you need to be cold. I wish you picked a side. You are lukewarm. And that's the exact understanding here is one is hot, one is cold. Make your choice. God vomits you out of his mouth if you are lukewarm. Verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? One of the five points of Calvinism, and one that I personally believe in, is the T of tulip, which is total depravity. We, in our natural state, are not capable of salvation. We are not capable of worshiping God, seeking Him, loving Him the way that He desires to be loved. It's not possible. We are desperately sick, as the Word says. The de- heart is deceitful, and all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? No one. Especially you as a believer. Do you understand why you continue to sin? You know you don't want to, but you still do it anyway. So who can understand your heart? Obviously you can't, because then you would be able to control it. God knows your heart, and he can teach you the ways of your heart so that you see the signs, as to this is coming, and you know this is your vice, and you know this is your weakness, this is your kryptonite, so to speak, stay away from those things, and God will bless you through that endeavor. But the only way that we can do this and be trained and disciplined into understanding this concept is by spending time with God. You won't just figure this out. This is something God has to teach you. And you have to be a willing student. It's not going to come passively. You have to actively seek this out. Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Personal accountability. He knows all your secrets. He knows everything that you're doing and nobody else knows. He knows the things you're thinking in your heart. He knows the things that people don't know about you. The grudges, the resentments, the bitterness, the anger. All those things, all the lusts that you do behind the scenes. All those things, he knows them all. And he tests you. But most importantly is he holds you personally accountable for your own sin. He doesn't blame anybody else for your sinning. You are the one who succumbed to it. It is your choice, and you are the one that led yourself astray. God always gives a way out from temptation, and you most likely have not taken that way out. I say this from experience. And so we are left being held accountable for our own deeds. We cannot affect anybody else's salvation. We cannot affect anybody else's sin problem. We can address it, but we cannot do it for them. Nor can I intervene in their lives in such a way where I can forgive their sins. Or I can do something, some sort of activity that will help appease God in that person. That's what the Catholics teach, but that is not what God teaches. You are held responsible for yourself. And that's it. Can't blame anybody else. If we have faith that God can fix us, He can, and He will do it. Verse 14 Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. It should be that simple. Lord, I know you can heal me. And I'm making the efforts to be humble and contrite. And by doing that, God usually responds. Imagine all the Christians doing this very thing, not caring about themselves as much as they should, not exalting themselves higher than they ought to, but rather humbling themselves in the presence of an almighty God and understanding the weight of their decisions and the weight of the sin in their life. That's what it means to be contrite, that you feel the weightiness of your filth and it bothers you, and you don't want to associate with it, that is contrition. And this is what the world needs more of. It doesn't feel the weight of its sin. I know that too. I struggle with things as well, and I don't always see it in the moment. We need to be people of contrition. It is the absolute best way to honor God and be obedient to him and is the ultimate act of submission, to be contrite. Chapter 18 is an illustration that God uses with Jeremiah, where he goes to the potter's house, and he watched this potter take some clay that was all messed up in his hands, and then he was remaking it into something else. He was fixing the problem. He was taking that clay that was misshapen or or deformed, and he was making it into something else. And God was saying, can't I do this with you, Israel? Because I intend to. Like he says in verse 6, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O Israel. We are the same way. We are in the hands of the potter. He has already, through the Holy Spirit, if you are saved by grace, He has already formed you into a new vessel. Like it describes in the New Testament, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So, in God's economy, we are completely different from when we were born because we have something that the world does not understand and that is foreign to the natural world. And that is something that is not from this world, and that is. The Holy Spirit, yeah, at the same time, we still have our carnal, sinful nature, it's still there, but it doesn't, it no longer defines us, and nor should it. We don't give it the power that it deserves to have, we should not give it any power because it has none. It's like we were talking about, trusting in the things of man, trusting in the world will get you nowhere, you'll be cursed. So blessed he is who trusts in the Lord. In chapter 18, about halfway through, we see Jeremiah being oppressed. The things that he's saying are not being well received, which that should not be any surprise at this point, because these are not kind words that God is speaking. He's speaking words of judgment, and in his anger, he is going to do something. And Israel doesn't like what they're hearing. So they devise all these different things to hurt him, and they are trying to silence him. But God is not done with Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is clinging to God. So he gives a long prayer to the Lord here at the end of verse 18, and it's very nice to see what he's doing. And then in chapter 19, he's told to buy a jar and to take some people who are leaders in their midst and to break it in their presence and illustrate that, look, you see this pot that I'm breaking? This is what God's going to do to you because you do not obey him and you have completely rejected him. Now again, in chapter 19, it mentions two places, Ben-Hinom as well as Topheth. Now these are both um, the same area, basically, Topheth means fireplace in Hebrew, and that was also a, that was a nickname, so to speak, for Ben Hinnom, which is what we know today as the Valley of Gehenna. This was a place that was southwest of Jerusalem, and it had a really dark history. This is where people were committing the most heinous of acts of idolatry. And worst of all, this is where they passed their children through the fire. This is where they worshipped Baal, and there was where they worshipped Molech. And so basically the equivalent of abortion and child molestation and child homicide in those days was all done here in this valley. And so disgusting stuff. And so for God to describe Jerusalem as like Topheth, then that's pretty serious. And that's very strong language that the Lord is using. You think of Topheth, and you think of ben Hinnom, Jerusalem, and you think about how disgusting it is. I'm going to make you like that, because you do not obey me. Because, like he says at the end of chapter 19, you have stiffened your neck as to not heed my words. You refuse to listen, So, okay, I'm going to do something. And then we see somebody in chapter 20 named Pashur, who heard these prophecies from Jeremiah, didn't like what he heard, and had Jeremiah beaten and put in the stocks for a whole day. Now, when they beat you in this time period, it was 40 lashes with a whip, usually across your feet. And the stocks, of course, were where you stick your head in through these two pieces of wood and they lock it with your hands in there. And you're stuck like that. More than just being uh, almost like a form of imprisonment, it was mostly meant to be a public shame. Because usually the stocks were somewhere where everybody could see. And so this was to publicly ridicule and shame Jeremiah. When he let Jeremiah out of the stocks, then Jeremiah said to him, This is what God says. He says, Your name is not Pashur. Your name is now Magor Misabib, which is Hebrew for terror on every side. So he's changing his name as being a symbol of what's going to happen, not only to him, but also to the nation of Israel when Babylon comes. So he is going to be utterly carried away and they're going to die in exile, as is most of the generation that he's in. Seventy years is a long time, and so most of the people that went into exile did not come back from exile. This was fairly normal, especially since back then, people didn't live as long as they do today. And lastly, beginning in verse 7 through the end of the chapter, we see Jeremiah... Really, just letting his emotions fly at this point. He's complaining about his assignment that God has given him. It is a difficult assignment. God had prepared him, remember? When he was with certain people before and they were rough with him and they did not listen to him. And he's like, Lord, they don't listen to me. And God said, You think they're bad? You're about to go to Jerusalem and they're going to be worse. And he's absolutely right, and this is where we see that actually happen. And he's just complaining about this, saying, Lord, you deceived me. I am a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. I cry, and I proclaim violence, but nobody listens to me. And yet, something so beautiful. He's complaining about the lot in his life, and I think anybody in his position would. Heck, I mean, he's quite the strong man, because. I think any lesser person would have given up by now. I, I don't know if I would have been able to endure that. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, I hope I would, but in my natural state, I would be like, heck with this. <laughs> no way am I doing this. But the most beautiful thing we need to understand here is not only is he just complaining, but he is also saying that it's worth it. It is totally worth the assignment. Jeremiah had that yearning, that burning desire to proclaim God's message, and that was all that truly mattered to him. Like it says in verse 9, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it will become like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it if I try to hold back, if I try to do what I want to do, and I feel the Lord's burning in my heart, and I just try to keep it to myself, it overwhelms me. I can't contain it. I must. I am compelled to speak. I have to. This is what is right, and I have to do what is right. God bless Jeremiah for that. Despite the challenges, despite the hardships, He's not even begun to see the hardships he's going to deal with. There are so many more issues he's going to be dealing with in the days to come, especially during the exile. He has not seen anything yet. Bless his heart. But at the same time, he understands the proper way. Despite all the opposition, despite all the oppression, God's word must be obeyed, and that should be the deepest longings in our heart. Is that yours? Is that your desire? The deepest longing of your heart is to please the Lord. We may have our bumps here or there. We may have our hiccups here or there, where we fall and we mess up and we sin. But is our really our at our core? Is our true desire to serve God, or is it to serve ourselves? If your desire is to serve the Lord, no matter what, that should be what. Constitutes your core being. You won't be perfect at it, but that is the intention of our hearts that God looks for, and He loves it. But He knows that this assignment is very hard. Like He says in verse 14 Cursed be the day that I was born, let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. He's wishing that He had died in His mother's womb. What's very interesting about that is that he wished that he died in his mother's womb. But what else happened in his mother's womb? Jeremiah was told in chapter 1 that God said, From the womb I chose you. So there's two opposite views here. God chose you from the womb, and yet you wish you died in the womb. Because the burden that he's carrying is so great. It's ironic, the words that he chose in this, because God chose him from the beginning to do this. He was born to do this. This is his lot. This is his destiny. We have a lot, and we have a destiny too, and we cannot resist God. God knows what he's doing, and he can get us through the worst of it. We just have to obey him, and it will be worth it. And that's the whole point of this. It is totally worth it. So don't kick and scream and resist God. Let him work in you the way he wants to work. That may require some deep cuts in your life, some deep sacrifices that you'll have to make from your own pleasures and your own management of time. But God will make your life better than you can ever imagine. And it will all be worth it, even the hard times. It will all be worth it. And I think with that, we can stop for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.